Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. We're recognizing farms and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. These families will get together at the Wisconsin State Fair in West Allis on August 8th for a celebratory breakfast. One farm being recognized is Murray Homestead. This Polk County farm's history dates back over 150 years. Gary Boer shares more about that history. My uh, great-grandfather Robert Murray uh, was born in 1812 in Lockheed, Scotland. He came over to the United States in 1842 from Dalray, Scotland, where he was a stonemason. He worked in a limestone uh, quarry. They landed in Morrison, Illinois, on the Rock River, and this was uh, prior to uh, the Civil War. He had three sons who fought in the Civil War, John, Robert, and Thomas. Thomas died in northern Alabama after uh, the uh, battle at Missionary Ridge. The other two boys came back to uh, Morrison. And then sometime after the Civil War, I'm guessing around uh, 1867, uh, there was a flood on the Rock River, and they lived on the river in a I believe it was a place he probably built himself. And they went down the rock to the Mississippi, up to the St. Croix. I think either to Prescott or Hudson, Wisconsin, I don't remember which, and they took a uh, a train to, I want to say, to Richmond, and they stayed there for about a year. I think the Homestead Act of 1862 was in effect, and then they uh, did the paperwork or whatever the process was in those days, and they acquired the property in in Blackbrook Township, which is in in Polk County, and it's just uh, across the line from uh, Clear Lake Township. And they moved there uh, after a tornado in in, uh, New Richmond, and they moved up there. The legend is that my uh, grandfather walked in front of a team of horses uh, with an axe, and uh, kind of chopped his way to the to the homestead site, which I, amazes me they could find it. It was said that uh, the trees were, the, the, it was white pine in those days, this amazing white pine forest. It was so thick they never saw the sun. Now, that might be an exaggeration, but there were huge stands of white pine in that area, and they, and they found their way up to uh, uh, the Black Brook Clear Lake area in 1868. I don't know exactly what the uh, provisions were for the uh, homestead. I think it had to build a, build a dwelling, maybe build, build a well. I'm not sure. But it was kind of a five-year process. So in 73, they finally got the, uh, the actual deed to the property. And, and it was actually it was signed by Ulysses S. Grant. I saw it at one point. So that's, where they, that's when they arrived. Now, it was a small, a small place, rocky, hilly, on a little pond and then a little lake, which was called the French Lake. There were French lakes in those days. And he was a stonemason and a butcher, my understanding is. He supplemented his income. And they had some cattle. Uh, they raised you know, chickens, pigs, and uh, turkey. And uh, it's been said that he uh, he paid their taxes every year by raising turkeys and having and shipping them to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. That covered their taxes. So we're talking about a very small farm, and it would be nowadays it would be considered almost a hobby farm. But that was the early days. Now he died in 1895, and left the property to my great grandmother, who uh, again died. At, I'm not I'm sure some part, I must say 1915, 1920, something like that. And then my grandfather James Murray inherited the property, and he continued again small farm operation and. Uh, was also a, uh, he did the butchering of farm animals for the people in the area. And he died in 1942, 
And then my uncle Roy Murray uh, took over the property. And at his death, the property went to my, my mother and, and father. And uh, they lived on the property until 1998, at which time my mother passed. And then my brother and I and my sisters, we inherited the property and we have it today. Can you take me through maybe stories that they've shared of, through those first years, whether that was key times during the war, a Great Depression, or any key things in history that really affected or just stood out to you in their farming experience? My mother said that uh, living on a farm during the Great Depression was better than living in a city. They always had food because they raised their own their own crops, basically, and, uh, and, and, and with chickens and beef and pork, that kind of stuff. So they never went hungry. The problem, of course, was buying other goods, uh, like clothing. And, of course, uh, I'm sure this is very common in those days. They, they made their own clothing, and oftentimes they made uh, things out of the flower sacks. You know, the flower sack dresses, shirts, that kind of thing. I recall she talked about that kind of thing. Going back to when they first came in, in 1868, my grandmother said that she was told that they uh, they built a lean-to for the horses and the, and the cattle. And like I say, a couple of cows. That, that, was the, that was the first thing they did before they even had a house for themselves. And I'm not sure if this is true or if I've heard this uh, from other sources. I mean, sometimes you wonder what you remember, but it sounded like they had a pretty rough winter, the first winter, and they uh, existed mostly on what they uh, uh, killed, like deer and uh, rabbit. I mean, that, that's, that was their source of protein. The chickens were for eggs, which they obviously they took the eggs to town and, and they traded for uh, uh, other other goods or whatever. They had enough money to buy some things like, uh, you know, pins and needles, pots and pans and whatever they needed at that time. What are some of your favorite memories on the farm? I guess to think back now, Threshing. Uh, in those days, you had the threshing machines, and, and I'm not sure who owned it, but somebody had a threshing machine, and it was towed to the particular farm site. And all the other farmers from the area all helped with threshing oats. And uh, I, it seemed like the ladies, the mothers and uh, wives of the folks had the greatest meals. I mean, it seems like it was always fried chicken, apple pie, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy, whatever it was. But all I remember how wonderful those meals were. And how hard, how hard you worked and uh, how gratifying it was for some reason. As I think back on it, it was uh, just that in those days, they shocked the grain. They did not have combines. I remember you'd, they'd shock the grain and it, it was stood out in the field for a while. Or she shocked it in a way that, that shed water. And you just use a pitchfork to throw it on the, on the wagon and hold it into the thrashing machine. And for some reason, that always seemed fun. In fact, I do remember when I was about 12 years old, my father said, after a hard day of working, the men would have a tub of, of beer, like seven-ounce bottles of Pabstool Ribbon, it seemed like. And I can remember one day my dad said, you work like a man, you can have a beer. <laughs> so I remember having about a seven-ounce beer at about age 12, thinking, it's, I'm a big man. I'm a man now. I, my dad gave me a beer. That wasn't common, I'll put it that way. My dad was not a big drinker, but that was one thing I didn't remember. So now, from then in the past to today, take me through what changes or improvements have been made to the farm, and what is the farm today? Well, that's a, that's a good question, and frankly, what's happened is is the it's just a small piece of property. We sold off some of the property. Uh, an organic farmer, we rented it to an organic farmer, and we were certified organic. And he uh, farmed it for a number of years. Then and COVID hit. And that kind of bit the dust. So as, as I'm speaking now, there is we, we have rented some property to the local uh, a neighbor. And frankly, we're thinking about 
turning it into a glamping site. So the farm itself will not exist in, in terms of unless, again, we've got, again, a farmer who's uh, rented some land for grazing and, and for hay. That's basically it. So it's re- actually the farm itself uh, is, is not going to be the entity it once was anymore. That's, that's the way it's going. Is there interest for maybe a next generation to take on that farmstead then to continue the glamping if that is the route that goes? Yes, uh, there is. I've got uh, three nephews who are specifically involved in that and are considering pursuing that, frankly. Uh, we have a, it's a very pretty piece of property. Let's face it. It was more, when you're talking about a person from Scotland, we're not talking about a great big farmer. It was more subsistence in those days. Or It was... Uh, it, it never was uh, what you saw a uh, a big operation, and so uh, it's it's got trails. We've got a beaver pond about sixty acres off one back. We have our other small pond in front of the property. It's very pretty. I think the the glamping is a thing that is a way they would like to pursue at this point. So they're moving away from any any crops of sorts. And, and and lately it hasn't been it has been nothing more than. Uh, we've rented some property for corn at one point, but that's been a while. That's been 20 years ago. Mostly it's been hay and, and just grazing, and they're rented by neighbors. And I think that the way they're going to, if they're pursuing it, it's going to be basically glamping. Glamping and recreation, you know, in terms of middle of family. Now, obviously, uh, as a lot of Wisconsin farmers do and their, and their sons and grandsons, uh, we do hunt the property, deer hunting specifically, and turkey. So... That's kind of that's kind of the way it's it's headed. That's what's going to happen at this point. What do you think makes your farm unique? The setting. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. We have the uh, the, the small lakes. Uh, now there's it's been logged off the the wooded areas. Uh, probably I suppose in the eighteen you know eight, late eighteen hundreds, and again probably in the early nineteen hundreds, and then probably for. Actually, a third time back in the in the 1950s or 60s, may I more like yeah, maybe 50s or 60s. So we've got about a, a 60 years stand of of white pine, oak, and maple and ash, black ash specifically. Uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful piece of property, and uh, we've uh, we've been tempted, and people have suggested they'd like to log off. But we, I don't know. It's debatable whether that's healthy or not. I guess maybe it could be in some instances. But I hate to touch that that forest at this point myself because that's uh, it's almost like every time I walk out into the woods, I see a new tree or something I haven't seen before, some majestic old oak or uh, a, a white pine that's nearing you know I don't know how good grief seventy eighty feet however big it gets, but it just uh, it has that kind of a nostalgic feel for it. This is, we're the only persons who've ever really owned this. I suppose they're the indigenous or the Native Americans that at one point, I suppose, moved through there, but never stayed. So we're the only ones who ever owned this property. And it has a, a special place in my heart because of that. It's, uh, uh, that's what I call home. I don't, I've moved around uh, in my adult life, and I always thought to myself, if I croaked out here, where do I want to be planted? Well, the, and, and where is home for me? And my kids even asked that same question. And I said, our home is that little piece of property, that little farm in northwestern Wisconsin near Clear Lake. That is my roots, and that is my home. Gary Boer shares the history of his family's farm in Polk County. The Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Program originated as part of Wisconsin's Centennial Celebration in 1948. Each year, about 100 properties are honored. 
You can listen to some of these stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.